and welcome to the latest ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week with events in Rio, Doha and Marseille, we hear from four Grand Slam champions, Stan Wawrinka, Daniel Medvedev, Dominic Team, and first at the ATP 500 in Brazil, a certain Senor Carlos Alcaraz. Having claimed the title in Buenos Aires on his return to action last week, he backed that up with another impressive run at the Rio Open, albeit falling just short of defending his title. When we spoke early in the week, I asked him how tough it had been missing a few months with injury. Well, it has been really tough uh, for me to uh, be out for four months, uh, missing the Australian Open, the Grand Slam. It was really tough and uh, yeah, it, I realized that I was not doing the great things of the court and uh, in certain point it was helpful for me to realize what I have to do of the core better, you know, and uh, yeah, for me it's uh, great to, to be back after four months. How much better is the Carlos Alcaraz standing here now than the Carlos Alcaraz that was here last year? I would say a more uh, experienced player, you know, and that's a really important important thing to uh, to have, you know, in a tennis player, you know, the, the experience is really, really important and I, I would say right now I'm uh, I'm really experienced player, so I would say that's the the most different between the Carlos now and Carlos before. And you've also tasted what it feels like to be world number one, which is incredible at your age. How hungry are you now to get back to number one? Yeah, it's a good goal for me uh, to record the, the number one, but uh, I mean, it's going to be really tough. Djokovic deserves uh, uh, so much to, to be there and uh, yeah I'm really angry to go to a tournament trying to, to win it and of course to record the, the, the number one is uh, a good goal for me this year. And just finally Carlos, the Laureus breakthrough uh, of the year, this nomination that you've had, how much of an honour is that to be nominated among among those, uh, those sports people? Well for me it's uh, really special you know to to be around with uh, great play with great athletes you know uh, it's uh, unbelievable and uh, uh, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say all, all of them deserve deserve the uh, the award so uh, I just uh, gonna enjoy enjoy the moment enjoy the the, nom- the nomination and trying to uh, to learn from from all the athletes and the athletes he's nominated alongside for that Laureus Breakthrough Award are fellow tennis player Elena Rybakina, US figure skating star Nathan Chen, golfer Scotty Scheffler, athlete Toby Amosan, and the Moroccan men's football team who went all the way to the World Cup semi-finals in December last year. Another player beset with injuries in recent times is Austria's Dominic Team, also in action in Rio, I asked what he'd learned about himself during all those long months spent on the sidelines. A lot. It was uh, in terms of that, in terms of learning about myself, learning about my career, learning about life was was great experience, which uh, I don't want to miss at all, you know. Um, also with uh, tough moments, but uh, with very nice moments as well. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to continue to to enjoy the journey obviously trying to work my way back to the top and uh, that's all I want to do. There must have been times when you started to think about life beyond tennis not necessarily worrying that you weren't going to come back but just thinking about other things. Was that frightening or was it actually refreshing? 
No, it was. It's it's refreshing. I'm I'm constantly thinking about life beyond tennis. You know, that's. <laughs> um, I think that uh, tennis was, for a long time, the, the only the only part of my life which is good in one way. But if you're, if you're, getting older, it's it's not good anymore. You know, you need a, a life beyond tennis. You need other thoughts in your head, other other things to do, and uh, the, the the injury timeout and also the tough time to come back helped me a lot in, in those terms and um, I'm very happy about it. And when things did start to pick up towards the end of last year and you won some matches, you made three semi-finals last year and get back in the top 100, but when you've won a Grand Slam and you've been top three in the world, do these feel like small steps or do they feel like big steps? Um, no, it's, it, it felt huge steps again last year. Towards the end of the season, when I played two semi-finals back to back, when when I won that huge match in Vienna, that felt that felt uh, unbelievable. It felt even better than some uh, tournament wins or some some wins against top ten guys back in the times. Uh, because the only way I knew in my tennis career was was up basically until until that uh, Grand Slam title, and then tennis-wise more challenging times came ahead and uh, I was learning again to to be really humble to to enjoy smaller steps let's say so um, the ending of the last last season was was great and was was huge for me you said you only wanted to return when you felt capable of winning a grand slam how close are you to that to feeling that you're really back up there at the top um, it's a process to me. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good on the practice court, um, but sometimes I'm a little bit too inconsistent. For ex last week is a perfect example. I'm playing a, a good first round and then uh, I drop my level a little bit and uh, that's what you cannot afford, you know, because all, all the other guys are, are playing great and one, one bad match and, and you're out of the tournament. So. Uh, practice is going great and just looking for some consistency in, in the matches and uh, then I guess I'm capable of, of doing of doing good things. Dominic team here in Rio where I also spoke with one of Brazil's favorite tennis sons. Thomas Bellucci reached a career-high 21 in the world winning four of his eight ATP Tour finals. It was a fitting end to an illustrious career. Very happy to be here. I'm uh, here Rio was uh, always special for me because of the crowd, my family, all my friends comes to comes to watch me playing. So it will be my last tournament. So I'm very happy uh, for all I, for all I have achieved in my career. So uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of what I what I did. When did you make the decision that Rio would be your last event this year, and how difficult was that decision? I think was uh, in the middle of the last year. I was playing uh, some tournaments and then physically I'd, I, I wasn't feeling very well. I was uh, having so much, so much uh, injuries. So I felt that was uh, the moment that I, that maybe I can, uh, I have to choose uh, something different on my, on my life. So I think it uh, was, uh, was the right moment lots of memories out on tour 21 in the world your best singles ranking if you had to pick a few memories or just one what would it be or your, your yeah. favorite memory just one maybe 
the Olympics Games uh, in Rio 2016. Uh, the, the, I was in the quarterfinal, so I played against uh, Nadal. So it was like, I don't know, 10,000 people uh, cheering for me. So I think that was, was uh, one of the most uh, special moments of my career. And an ATP Tour highlight? ATP Tour uh, 2011 against uh, Djokovic in Madrid semi-final. What has tennis given you, Thomas? Uh, what, what has it meant to you? Tennis uh, is being a part of my, my life. Like uh, I've been uh, traveling so much in the last 20 years, like uh, missing all my parties for my for my friends, uh, my the, the, the birthdays of my of all my families, my friends. So I gave up uh, a lot of. Uh, moments uh, in my life to be a professional tennis player so for now I have to I have uh, I'm trying to 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 do something different and to be more close uh, closer from uh, uh, from my family my friends and uh, do something different yeah. Yeah, when you say do something different do you know yet or is it just catch up on the, the missed time so far I want to be involved uh, in tennis but uh, not traveling so much like I was in the last last year, so I want to be a, a coach, but not like traveling coach all the time. <laughs> You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and ATPTour.com. Next stop this week is Doha and its newest champion Daniel Medvedev, who overcame Britain's Andy Murray in the final. He also impressed off the court when ATP uncovered, and Kate Flory quizzed him on his own career. OK, so we've got a career quiz for you, Daniel, asking you a few questions about your own career to see how well you I know think it. I'm going to lose everything. <laughs> I think I'm going to be wrong in everything, but let's see. Where was your first ATP Tour match win? Yeah, that's it. It was in Hertogenbosch, uh, 2016, against Horacio Zeballos. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 6-4-6-0 or 6-4-6-1. Where did you win your first ATP title? Sydney 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know who you beat? Yeah, Alex Dominar. Brilliant. Do you remember who you beat for your first top 10 win? Stan Wawrinka, Wimbledon. It was 2017. There you go. Brilliant. Who was your, your first? World number one victory against? Novak Djokovic, Monte Carlo, 2019. Perfect. Daniel Medvedev wins big here in Monte Carlo. Do you know which active player you've faced the most times in your career? Ah, that I don't know, but let me try to guess. I actually faced Novak a lot of times. A wonderful battle, a wonderful occasion between the two best players in the world. Where did you win your first Masters 1000 title? Title in Cincinnati against David Goffin, 7-6-6-4. Year? 2019. Perfect, now can you, you've just obviously said David Goffin in the final, can you name the players that you beat the rest of the week in order? Real easy. Edmund. Correct. Yes, second round Ben Pair. Yep. Third round, Struff. Yep. Yeah, quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, Rublev, mm -hmm. Djokovic, Goffin. On the doorstep of glory. 
Okay, so you remember that wonderful streak you went on in November 2020 to January 21? And so not only was it 20 wins in a row, but in that streak, you beat eight top 10 players. Do you remember who they were? Yeah, I can, I can remember. So uh, Diego, who yeah. played three times. Yeah, yeah exactly, time, three times, yeah. Uh, three times, uh, Sasha, yes. Novak, Dominic, Rafa, how much is it? Five. You've got three more. Mateo was top ten. Yes, yes, he was, yes. Rublev. Yes. And Tsitsipas. Perfect. How many weeks have you spent at world number one? I have no idea, but I would say... 16? Yes. Nice, I, I guessed it. Where did you do the mannequin challenge? ATP. Yeah, 2016 uh, during, uh, I don't remember how it's called, ATP, ATP University, University yeah. in London. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember, remember who you were stood next to for that? Either Rublev or Ivashka? Yeah, no, Rublev. Yeah. He, he, he was imitating that he's yeah. hitting me. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You guys look so young and then I saw Tiafo as well. I was like, my goodness, everybody looks so young. Yeah, there were a lot of people there yeah, this year. Yeah. And the last leg on our whistle stop tour this week is Marseille in southern France. Shortly, we will hear from two Frenchmen at different stages in their careers. But first, we have a three-time Grand Slam champion, Stan Wawrinka, who may have fallen at the quarterfinal stage, but told Richard Connolly he's more than happy with his start to 2023. I'm super happy. I start uh, the, way in the year in Australia. I was... Uh, Playing not bad in general, I'm feeling great physically and tennis-wise, so hopefully I can start to win matches. But uh, yeah, of course, it's uh, it's excited for me uh, after after those years, uh, some some tough years for me with injury, with COVID, with everything. So I'm happy to be back and hopefully playing a good uh, full year. Just how hard did you work in the pre-season and how hard do you feel you're able to push yourself as hard as ever? Yes, of course, as hard as ever in a different way too. I think uh, with the age, with the injury, with everything together, make it a bit more, I will say, difficult, of course. Uh, but uh, I've been pushing myself uh, at the maximum I can and hopefully that result uh, will come and will prove that I did the right things. Is it hard to find the new maximum as your body changes? Yeah. It's. Uh, I think it's. It's. It's always been the same uh, uh, level of difficulty for me. At the end, it's more to find the, the all the piece of the puzzle together because to practice art is one way. To 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 push yourself physically, it's another way. To find yourself mentally ready to compete and find the confidence for that in matches, it's. Uh, it's a big puzzle. So that's that's the hardest way is to put all the pieces together in in matches. You are practicing, of course, on a daily basis with the top guys, so you're in a good position. You can, you can feel maybe how close you are. So give us an honest assessment of where your, where your game is. My game is high. My game is, is where I believe that when I enter the courts, any player in front of me, I can beat them. Now I have to do it, and I have to do it in repetition in the same week. So the year is long. I'm, I'm always looking uh, for the for the full year, for the for the big picture. Uh, I'm pushing myself on a daily basis, doing controlling what I can't control. It's the practice, is everything around that, and match and result will come. Are you looking at the rankings? Do you have a target for where you want to get for a certain part of the year? 
I mean, it's obviously moved a lot in the right direction since your return. Still far away from where I want to be, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, the, the ranking follow your result. So for me, most important is the way I'm playing, the way I'm practicing, the way I'm, I'm going into tournaments, uh, and hopefully the ranking will follow. Can I ask you for a thought on the big picture of where this year is going to go? We've seen Novak make a very good start to the year and dominate in Australia. Who's going to challenge him throughout the course of the year? And feel, feel free to throw your own name into, into the mix. Uh, but I'm, I'm far away from that, <laughs> that's for sure. And I'm not going not gonna to be there. But uh, yeah, of course, Novak, when he's playing, when he's fit and, and ready and, and mentally there and he has, he's able to play too, he's, uh, he's the top, uh, he's the best player in the world. Uh, that's, that's for sure by far. I think, uh, I think we need, to, of course, to be careful with, uh, with Rafa and Clay. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen at French Open and all. But uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a big group of players uh, there. There's uh, Medvedev, he's always there. Tsitsipas is an amazing player. You have Alcaraz, you have Sinner, you have uh, Rune. You have uh, a few different generations that are fighting to win the biggest title through the year. So I think for the fans and including myself, I love to watch it. I watch uh, what happened in Australia. I think it was some great match. So hopefully it's going to be a really challenging year for everybody. And Novak got to 22 with the win in Australia. I mean, you know how hard it is to win just one of these things. Where's he going to end up? What's the number going to be when he finishes? That we all want to know, but we will not know until he's done. But uh, he's been he's been amazing since since more than fifteen years. He's been there. He's been winning everything. He's uh, yeah. He's a he's a special player. Uh, so so tough to beat. Uh, so clean the way he plays. So physical, mentally so strong. So yeah, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the next Grand Slam coming this year. He didn't give me a number. I don't have a number. I think <laughs> there is, it's, uh, I've, I've, they've, they've been doing so well. Uh, Roger retired la last year, but uh, Rafa is still here. He also has 22. So they always surprise us without su surprising us because we all know how good they are. Great to see the great Swiss Stan Wawrinka back in action. One of eight Frenchmen in the singles draw in Marseille was 27-year-old Artur Rinderknecht who, believe it or not, grew up believing he wasn't good enough to make the grade as a junior in France. But he grew in confidence and ability playing college tennis in the US, as he told Candy Reid. I was having the mind where um, I felt like tennis wasn't over for me. I was pretty good, but not great. In I've never played juniors, actually. And I was decent in France, uh, but not great. But I felt like tennis wasn't over for me. I still wanted to enjoy some... You know, some tennis, some years of tennis, and, uh, and being part of a team was great. And uh, yeah, I just developed this uh, desire of uh, going on uh, on the tour. So it happened after my uh, sophomore or junior year to to turn pro. Yeah, decide to turn pro. You've got tennis in your DNA. Your parents both played tennis. Your mum won around at uh, Roland Garros in 1986. How did that help having two parents very much enveloped in tennis? Yeah, I feel like they are pushing me in the right way. Um, they are acting different. I mean, they are divorced now, so it's uh, it's not the same anymore. But uh, they are both uh, acting uh, in the right way for me to to help me uh, by pushing me forward. Uh, you know, uh, without uh, pushing any pressure. I mean, it's been a long time since actually I left in uh, for for the U.S. college. Uh, that uh, I'm pretty 
pretty independent and doing uh, my things on, on my own, but they're always behind me and uh, helping me when, whenever I need and, you know, supporting me. So that's, uh, that's really great of them. Do you now live in uh, Europe or you live in uh, the United States? I li- no, I live in France. I went back to France. Uh, I stayed, I, I trained for one year in the, in the National Tennis Center uh, in Paris uh, before going uh, to Rennes in the west of, uh, of France uh, with my current coach, uh, with who we have been working together for the last three years. Your current coach, Sebastian Villette. Yes, exactly. And uh, why did that relationship start? Why? Uh, because I was looking for, for a personal uh, coach uh, that was going to travel a bit more with me because that wasn't the case in, uh, in the Federation when I was training there. Everything was great, but I was just missing this, uh, this aspect of the, of the training and felt like to go to the next step, I, I, I needed to have someone with me during the tournament. So I was looking for, yeah, for someone and uh, my great friend Manuel Guinard, who is uh, yeah, about 150 as well um, now, told me that he was looking for someone to share his coach and I already knew in the past I saw them working together and they were doing some great jobs so so we made this uh, this try and uh, it it worked uh, really well right away so now I'm just really enjoying uh, my time with uh, Sebastian and, and Manuel training in Rennes in a new city that I didn't know before so I discovered and now we're living there with my girlfriend so yeah really enjoying the the, the city over there since you're in the top 100 and Manuel is just outside how does that work with Sebastian and going to tournaments Actually, it's going pretty well. Uh, we are just managing things uh, the best we can. Uh, of course, some weeks uh, we are on our own a little bit more when uh, we're not in the same tournament and uh, that uh, Seb has to go with one or the other. Uh, but uh, but it, it's working really well. I mean, Manuel is one of my best friends uh, for a long, long time. So it's much easier to, to deal with these things uh, when you're best friend. And we are both pretty, you know, Pretty, pretty fine and you know trying to be smart with the situation so it, it work, works well we are both uh, improving for the last three years so hopefully we will keep uh, keep on climbing the ranking yeah you hit the top 100 in 2021 had a really good time on the challenger circuit and there's uh, other french uh, players including your sometimes doubles partner benjamin bonzi you've made exactly. the same kind of yeah. leap yeah. does that help motivate you yeah, I felt like we had uh, a little bit the same uh, path on the on the ranking. Uh, we we went up at the same time. Uh, he didn't go to to the states. Uh, he was playing uh, much. Uh, he was playing pro much uh, earlier than me. But when I started, he he started also to to climb up the ranking at the same time as me. So so yeah, we made the top hundred pretty much at the same time. I think I was one month be, one month before or something like this, and now we made the top fifty pretty much at the same time as well. I've enjoyed very much commentating on your singles matches in particular, and I like the way that you're very aggressive. You like to move forward. You like to play at the net. Have you always been an all-court player? Kind of. Of course, uh, I'm trying to develop this this aspect of my game. You know, uh, trying to to be really offensive, trying to take the lead in the you know in the rallies, and uh, you know use my uh, my strengths uh, instead of uh, you know using my weaknesses. <laughs> you know, so. So yeah, but I also really love to run around, you know, I like to move. Uh, for a big guy, I think I'm, I'm moving pretty well and I like to, you know, to defend sometimes. But uh, I know that uh, to be efficient, I need to be offensive most of the time. So that's what I'm trying to do, yeah. Are you a goal-orientated person or just somebody who just tr- keeps trying to work as hard as possible and try to get to the next stage? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not trying to set goals for myself ranking-wise, but I'm just trying to work on my game and uh, hopefully that's going to bring me the the wins and then the wins are going to get me to another ranking and another ranking will 
you know, allow me to play another tournament and you know, just keep on, keep on going and see where my uh, limits are. How do you account for all the French success recently in the men's game, particularly when you've had the, the musketeers that are now sort of starting to leave the game, including Richard Gasquet, who's still no. seemingly winning titles? But there's another group, isn't there, of big French players coming through? Yeah, I mean, it's a new generation for sure. We don't have any more uh, Monfils. I mean, Monfils is still coming back, but he hasn't been playing for, for the last year pretty much. Uh, Tsonga, of course, retired. Uh, you know, uh, Gilles Simon retired. Uh, Lucas Pouille, who was really, really good, the young, I don't know, kind of a little bit disappeared. Uh, he's dealing with some stuff, so hopefully he's going to be back at some point. Uh, you know, uh, Richard is <laughs> by the end of his career, but uh, we saw that he can still play really good tennis with uh, his win in uh, Auckland. So, you know, it's behind, behind that there is a, a new ger- generation coming, so hopefully we're going to be able to you know, to do maybe not as good as them, but uh, get as close as possible. You know, it will be already a great, uh, great uh, accomplishment. Thank you very much for your time. It's been lovely to speak to you on the ATP Thank you podcast. Very much. Thank you. In the Marseille doubles draw, another Frenchman, Fabrice Martin, went all the way to the final alongside veteran Nicolas Mahou. With a Roland Garros final in 2019 and an Australian Open semi-final to his name earlier this year, his has been an interesting and a typical tennis journey via Colombia, the Bolletieri Academy in Florida and his own native France, as he told Chris Bowers. We moved to Colombia with, for my parents' job, my dad's job, and then, and then uh, my mom was a teacher, she's a teacher, so she worked at, the, at IMG Academy, she's still there, and uh, it was a, a, a great place, obviously, to train and to grow up and to learn tennis and be a how to be a professional and um, I'm still uh, part of the IMG Academy as a student because when I'm there I I train and and I use the the coaches and the facilities and it's an amazing place uh, to to be practicing at. So yeah and I decided to go back to Europe at the time when I was still playing singles because um, it was more the indoor season and more tournaments close by to each other and and not many French players knew me at the time because I, I grew up in the States. So when I went there, I actually did pretty well because I was a new guy, French, but not really. <laughs> so, And um, I, I did well in the futures. And um, yeah, I played until I was 29 in singles and did what I did and did my best. And then I decided to go, to go um, play uh, doubles full time. So you've seen coaching in France. You've yeah. seen coaching both both the regions and at Roland Garros. Yeah. You've seen coaching in South America. Yeah. You've seen coaching the American model in Florida. Do you have thoughts on who has the best system or what, what elements would you take from each if you were composing the perfect coaching system? So I think for every player it's different, but it uh, depends on your character as well. Um, I was when I was young. I was very French and moody and <laughs> throwing rackets and and being mad on the court. So when I arrived there, of course, I was the French guy at, at IMG Academy. But uh, the American system is so positive, and no matter how you, how you play, it's all about training hard and uh, and giving all you have. So. Uh, it kind of fits me and uh, it, it made me a great player in singles because I, I was not the most talented guy but I had a, 
my height and a big serve and I like coming to the net so I I use that to be a part of my game and to be a, a good player and uh, but yeah I mean the in in IMG Academy it used to be a lot of uh, Latin, Latin play, uh, coaches from South America and uh, we so I kind of have they use, they kind of have the American mentality with a little bit of uh, South America tennis and then when I go back to France I um, I felt that uh, it was more on technique more maybe more tactical more concentrated more concentrated on on the game and how to beat guys uh, instead in I feel that in the states it was more focused on you on your game and on your strength and work and work and work and and so it it, it fits it it fits you or it doesn't but um I use a little bit of everything I think uh the French system is very good with um the technique and the and the tactical point of view but uh if you can have the positive attitude plus that it's it's a good, it's a great mix because for many years people have quoted the French system as being a great model but now we're we're seeing a, a drop in the number of French players in the top hundred in singles. Fewer players are coming through, and the Americans are starting to have a good period yeah. again. Is that just fashions, or do you think that maybe the French system has not been positive enough in encouraging youngsters? Um, I think the states have have done a great job with the college uh, system. Many players from from a young age now want to go to college and then go to on the tour uh, when I used to play if I was not in the challenger tour by 22 your life was over in tennis that's, that's that was what the coaches or the people from tennis used to say like by 22 you need to be in the top 100 or 200 so I think the college um, I didn't go but um from what I hear from players, the college system is great because you can still dev- develop your game and your your physique. And and now I feel that when I look at the futures in the states, uh, they're very strong. Uh, before Europe and France was, I felt like the cuts were really strong. And now uh, you can see the players in the states. The the, the tournaments are tougher, are tougher because I think the college players are are getting better as well. So um, yeah, it's it, it's a it. The French system, the French players will always have great players. I feel because there's still a good generation coming up. Maybe not like we used to have with Gaël and Joe and Richard and, and and Gilles. And of course, they were they were top ten players. But uh, you know, it it it's I, th- I believe a lot in in momentum as well with like. Um, the, the 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 top players who's who's there as well like Roger Federer and uh, Nadal and Djokovic you know it was a tough time to to be in the top so now I think uh, the next ten years I think will be interesting for the states and France as well because we have some good juniors from what I heard coming up. But I mean, if you have a system whereby a promising youngster will be sent to Roland Garros yeah. to live there, not not to the tournament yeah, but yeah. to the training Train centre. Um, do you see a situation where they might spend four or five years and then go to American colleges? Yeah, I think it's been it, it's been the case now with uh, 
I don't I don't think Arthur uh, Rinderknecht went to he to was in college. Wasn't he? Yeah, he went to college, but I don't know if he was in the federation from a young age. Bonzi is not didn't go, but um, he's done his uh, own thing in the south of France, uh, and I mean I I don't think the French will uh, push the players to do that, but because we still have a good school and we can we can still create players to be top ten, but. It's a good second option, I feel. Fabrice Martin with Chris Bowers. And that is it for this week. Thanks to Fabrice and all our guests. Remember, check out the podcast channel on Wednesday when we'll bring you another exclusive chat, this time with Brazil's Thiago Monteiro. And I'll be back next Sunday looking back on events in Dubai, Acapulco and Santiago and ahead to the first ATP Masters 1000 of the year and it's a big one in Indian Wells. You can also watch all the action on Tennis TV, find all the latest scores, draws and orders of play on the ATP WTA Live app, well worth downloading and read more great features and stories on atptour.com I'm Seb Lozier, thanks for listening Enjoy the tennis 